So let's go back through these signs. Let's pray and we'll get right into the Word. Lord, thank You for everyone that came today. Bless them, strengthen them. Thank You that we, we know this morning that we're redeemed from the curse of the law. Father, we put Your Word first. We thank You that Jesus paid for it all. And this morning we endeavor every service to walk in the full measure of what our inheritance is. Father, thank You that You left us such wonderful things, that You put us into Your family, that You called us one with You, that we're, we're joint heirs with Christ. Thank You that we're seated with Jesus in, in heavenly places, at the highest place of authority that there is. We see ourselves in You, Jesus. You did it all. Thank You, thank You, thank You. By Yourself, Jesus, You purged our sins. And You sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, Lord. Thank You that Jesus came and died for us. So, Father, these truths about Your return, may it, may it burn within us how close we are to the coming of the Lord. That, Father, it would, it would be on our lips to be a voice and a witness of how good You are and how soon You are to return. So we thank You for it, Father. I ask You to bless every person in this room. Father, we're hungry. We're here on Tuesday morning. So give us fresh revelation about how close we are to Your return to the earth. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. amen. Grab your Bibles and go back there to Luke 21. We're going to pick up there with, a, with the signs again for just a moment, and then we'll get right into the rapture of the church. And uh, I didn't bring the picture of the Antichrist, but that's okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see the guys on TV, uh, the most shocking photographs of the Antichrist. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's amazing that you're so, the church is so powerful. Second Th Thessalonians says that the Antichrist can't even come on the scene or be made manifest until you depart. That's right. Second Thessalonians says the church, it, which you are called Christ, you can't have the Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time. Right. So you have to be taken out of the way so that the Antichrist can even be revealed. That's, that's how powerful you are. Wow, hallelujah. So we see that, that we have to depart so that the Antichrist can even come on the scene. It's pretty amazing. That's in Second Thessalonians. But we'll get into that a little later. But go to Luke 21. <clears throat> Luke chapter 21. Let's pick up where we left off in verse 24. This is huge, this part here in verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So when Jerusalem is won back, he means the time is up. That happened in 1967. Talked about that yesterday. So in verse 29, he said, look at the fig tree. He's giving them a parable to make what he had just said make sense because it's so powerful. To basically say, when you see this one event, you can tell some time's up. Notice that everything revolves around Jerusalem. That's a huge deal, Jerusalem. That's the Lord's capital uh, for, for the next thousand years, and then the new Jerusalem is going to come down, and that will be the capital forever. Uh, Jerusalem means plural. It means Jerusalem means plural. There's an earthly and there's a heavenly. And we'll see that there will come a time where the, earthly will, the heavenly will come right down over the earthly. How cool will that be? Amen. Uh, so look at verse 29. But look at the fig tree, which is the nation of Israel, and all the trees. You can even go back to the Song of Solomon where he uh, talks about the fig tree. To come up, come up hither, come up hither. And, and the Lord's here is talking about that we're about to depart. So he says here in verse 29, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. So likewise, ye, when you see these things come to pass, get scared and run and don't know what to do and freak out. No. 
He says, no, not wonder, not sense, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now, the next verse is the verse that really messes with people. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. So Jesus is saying something pretty bold there. The generation that sees these things, what things? Israel made a nation. The fig tree budded in 1948, and Jerusalem won back in 67. Now, the first thing that I think about, which I don't have time to get too technical, but I want to keep moving. How long is a generation? That's the first thing I think. Okay, is it, is it 40 years from 67? Is it 40 years from 48? Obviously not, or we'd already be gone. Yeah. <laughs> you go, well, how long is a generation? Well, if you want to get technical, in Matthew it says these are the generations from, from Adam to Jesus, and it came out to be 53 years, exactly. But a generation is just how long people normally live in your lifetime. In Noah's day, it would be 700 years. That'd be a generation. <laughs> in our day, probably 70 or 80 years as a generation. So, so you have, it's really completely dependent upon when you're living. A generation in the 1500s would be maybe 30 years because people didn't live that long because of all the plagues and everything. So, so he said this generation, the group that sees this, will not pass away till all is fulfilled. Those two events. Wow, that's happened in our lifetime. So, so, so you say, do you think the Lord's coming tomorrow? I don't think He's coming tomorrow, but I know He's coming very, 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 very soon. You, know, you hear different people, I've never heard the Holy Ghost go, hey, relax, take your time, it's going to be a long time till I come back. <laughs> You've ever heard the Holy Ghost in a service, He's always admonishing us to awaken to do what we're called to do. Don't put off what God's given you because time is so short. And time is, is alarmingly short. So we'll, we'll get through some more of these for just a moment. But remember yesterday we went through the signs. Number one, Israel made a nation. Number two, Jerusalem won back. Number three, Hebrew language restored. A revival of the Roman Empire. The fertility of the land of Israel. The Temple Mount Institute ready. The technology for the mark of the beast. One of the ones that uh, I didn't get into was we were preaching in Canada. It's at, I talked about that church in Saskatoon the other day. And uh, one of the signs is that uh, John saw in the book of Revelation a 200 million man army uh, coming down at the Battle of Armageddon. There weren't 200 million people on the earth then. I mean, that must have been kind of bizarre for him to see an army of 200 million men. Let me say that again. 200 million men. Well, we know that's coming from China. Well, uh, there was a woman at the church there. I preached this. The reason why 200 million men from China are going to come to Israel and want to destroy them is they don't have any girls to date. Well, in China, they make you abort your female babies because of population. And I'm preaching that. There's a woman in the church in Saskatoon sitting there that came from China to Canada so she could have her baby and not have it aborted. So you've got a generation of men that have no girls to date, so they're going to want to kill somebody. So that's another sign, praise the Lord. And, and I did get into probably one of the most powerful signs is uh, uh, Stephen Tyler with Aerosmith got born again a few years ago. You know, the guy on American Idol. So when, when Aerosmith's getting saved, Jesus is about to come back. Now, that's re- Jesus really didn't mention that there in Luke, but, but that is a big sign. Hallelujah. You, you can go on YouTube and, and put in Stephen Tyler, and he's singing Amazing Grace in some church in, in Minnesota. Yep. And uh, he got born again. Lenny Kravitz, the uh, guitar player, uh, led him to Jesus. Yep. And you wouldn't know Lenny Kravitz is saved, but he was on uh, whatever that show was years ago. And they said, they said, what's the deal? He goes, I'll tell you what the deal is. Jesus of Nazareth. And he just hammered the guy. Hallelujah. Lord. Gave him the gospel right there. The gospel. 
You know, it's amazing how you can see uh, things that are going to come to pass before they come to pass sometimes. God always shows us some things in the Scriptures, and it might be a little bit different sometimes than what we think. You know what I mean? How He'll show you glimpses of what's going to happen, but it ends up playing out a little different than what we think in our mind. I remember years ago I prophesied in a meeting that I said, you'll see Diane Sawyer. You know Diane Sawyer? I guess it's ABC News. I said, you'll see her preach the gospel on a Friday night, and she won't even know she's preaching the gospel. I remember prophesying that. It's probably about seven or eight years ago, maybe ten years ago. I was in a meeting. I remember when I prophesied. I said, what? I said, Diane Sawyer's going to preach the gospel on TV on a Friday night. I'm thinking, I've lost my mind. You know what I mean? A few years later, she was interviewing Mel Gibson, and she was interviewing him about the uh, passion of the Christ. And she said, so you're, she said it was on Friday night. She said, you're saying that Jesus paid the penalty for Adam's sin. And he goes, that's right. Uh, and she was basically setting the stage for the preaching of the gospel and didn't even know she was preaching the gospel. Amen. You know, so, so you can hear something about the future and think it's going to be, you think Diane Sawyer is going to go, I tell you in these final hours, Jesus is coming again. You know how we, our interpretation of that, usually it's a little bit more low key than what our interpretation is. You know what I mean? But God will show us some things here. So John saw a 200 million man army coming down. He didn't even know 200 million people on the planet. So that's now is the only time in history that you have enough people that could even do that. So we have some wonderful signs here. Now, what are these signs? These are the second coming of Christ. That is the grand event ever. The first time he came in humility, this time he's coming back in glory. Hallelujah. Amen. And the the, the difference between the rapture and the second coming, which I believe we'll get into a little bit more of that tomorrow, this is super easy. At the rapture, the righteous are taken off the earth. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. At the second coming, the wicked are taken off the earth. It's the exact opposite. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Praise the Lord. All right, so we got some wonderful signs of his return. Our generation... Our generation has all these things happening. I mean, you have literally God courting Israel, doing all these things where they'd be regathered from all over the earth. If you notice in the 40s, when Hitler tried to kill uh, so many Jews, it was right before they were made a nation. Satan thought, if I can stop the word of God from coming to pass. So in in 1940, all the concentration camps and all that, Satan thought, I'll annihilate them, I'll annihilate them. But he can't stop the word of God from coming to pass. Hallelujah. And that's something that God regathered them in the midst of Satan almost uh, stopping that race. Wow. Hallelujah. It's pretty wild. Years ago, I used to always thought Hitler was the one that uh, annihilated the Jews. I learned this on the History Channel uh, just a little while back. It's amazing when the History Channel is preaching the gospel so much. It's pretty wild. Mainly even about the coming of the Lord. They'll say things that the church is too afraid to talk about. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. But anyway, the the History Channel was talking about, I always thought Hitler wanted to kill all the Jews. Hitler said, let's deport them and send them into other parts of Europe. And there was a a man from Iran. He was Islamic. And he had worked his way into being in the SS. He was one of the few people outside of Germany that worked his way into working with Hitler. He said, no, let's don't deport them, let's annihilate them. And that Islamic spirit is the same spirit today that wants to annihilate the Jews. Hitler wrote a book called Mein Kampf. You know what that means? My struggle. It's the same word, jihad. It's that same spirit that wants to annihilate the Jews. And it's kind of amazing that that same spirit calls calls Israel Satan and America the great Satan. (laughs) Israel produced Jesus and America is the biggest preacher of Jesus. So that spirit wants to stop that message of Jesus of Nazareth. So we have all these signs of the second coming. So let's pick up with the the order of events. We know according to Scripture, because you you can say something, if you don't have Scripture to back it up, you can't be bold. According to James 
James chapter 5, we're living in the harvest of the earth. So the thing that we're in right now is the gospel spreading all over the world. The next event on God's calendar for you and I is the rapture of the church. Now listen very carefully. The rapture has no signs. The second coming has hundreds of signs. But the rapture is signless because it's a surprise. It's a mystery. And we'll get into that here in a minute. So God, talking to the Jewish boys, notice when Jesus told Peter, He said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Peter goes, what's well, a church? They wanted to set up a kingdom. The church age was a mystery. The rapture is a mystery. They all thought Jesus was instantly going to set up His natural kingdom. They didn't know there was a 2,000-year gap. You know, there's a lot of little clues in the Gospels where Jesus talked about, remember the Good Samaritan going up to take the, the man to the inn? He said, I'll, he said, if he spent any more money, I'll come back for him after two days. So after 2,000 years, Jesus is going to come back for us. But that was a total mystery to all of them. You'll notice how the Bible kind of skips over some things. In the Old Testament, Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, a son is given. Now watch this. A son is given, and the government is upon his shoulders. It went from being born to all of a sudden the millennial reign. So the church age was a complete mystery. So now the, the events on God's calendar, uh, we have the harvest of the earth. Every nation, every tongue, every kindred is hearing the gospel. The next event for us is the rapture. It is signless, but we can tell how close we're getting because of all the signs of the second coming of Christ. So the next event is rapture. The next event after rapture for you and I, reward seat of Christ. It's a mistranslation. We call it the judgment seat of Christ. And the Greek is called the bema, the reward seat, like in the Olympics. We've preached about that here. God wants to reward you for what you've done correctly. Hallelujah. It's amazing how that gets twisted. He's about to judge you. You're going to stand before Him and give an account. You're going to give an account for the motives of your heart, not for your sin. All your sin was laid on Jesus or you wouldn't be at the reward seat of Christ. Okay? So it's amazing. You'll never suffer shame. Never suffer shame. I mean, the motive of your heart will be analyzed, but the Lord's not going to get up there and go, ah, you could have done so much better. That will not happen. He'll go, you did this for me, I want to bless you. Notice how Satan twists God's thought pattern and His mercy and His kindness. That's not like God. Now, there will be judgment happening on the earth while we're at the reward seat of Christ, but that's because of the earth's wickedness. Not because of your wickedness. Your wickedness was laid on Jesus Christ. Now let's go through the order of events. And man, i got several things growing at me too fast. But here we go. Rapture, reward seat of Christ. During that time, you have the tribulation period on the earth. That seven-year period. At the end of the tribulation period, we come back with Jesus. That's called the second coming. And we come on, on white horses right there coming down to, to view the yeah. battle of Armageddon. And every movie that you see in Hollywood gets that mentality from that verse right there where Jesus comes in at the end of the day and saves the day and saves Israel. It's going to look like that the Antichrist is going to kill Israel and Jesus is going to show up and go, no, you're not. I'm going to take care of her. Hallelujah. Yes. And you'll be right there riding with him. Won't that be cool? I mean, I've ridden horses, but I've never flown on a horse. Won't that be wild? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know what the class is that we'll go through in heaven. Now, by the way, lean left. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know how that's all going to work, but, but we're going to be airborne coming down. What a view we'll have of the second coming. It'll be oh, awesome. Yeah. And at, the, at that second coming, the wicked are taken off the earth, and the natural righteous people that make it through the last part of the tribulation, Jesus will go enter into the kingdom that I prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And those natural people will have kids for a thousand years and you'll be teaching those kids the gospel for a thousand years. Wow. Hallelujah. And then at the end of that thousand years, uh, 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 the great white throne judgment happens 
and then all of a sudden heaven moves to earth. I don't know, God's going to get a U-Haul. I don't know how you do that. It'll be, the, it'll be the move of all moves. Hallelujah. I don't like to move, but this one's going to be powerful. So he's going to bring... He likes earth so much, he's going to renovate it. He's not, he's not going to annihilate the earth. He's going to renovate it by fire. It, you look up that word renovate, it means like you take an old house and you make it new. He's going to make the earth new, and he's going to move heaven down to earth. So that's the, that's the order of events. So let's go to the Scriptures here and look what's next for us, and that will open up some more things about how close we are. So let's go to the rapture for a moment. Go over to Thessalonians. There's so much that's happening right now, and I have it all coming to me, but i just got to try to get it in order so we don't just... Go ballistic. Here we go. Everybody say caffeine. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. The Lord is good. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's start with verse 13. And we'll see the necessity of what God's plan is. Really, once you get into all this stuff about end times, it makes you, it builds your faith in how awesome God's plan is. He's so cool, and you get to see how he's treated us so differently than every other group. The church is treated so much more uh, differently than the old covenant people and in the people during the tribulation. And we'll, we'll prove all that out. So go to second, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. All right, so he says in verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. If you'll notice, there's two things in the Scriptures he tells you not to be ignorant about. Number one, the rapture of the church. Number two, the, the rivers are the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Right before the coming of the Lord, he wants you to have an outflow mentality. Thank you for your enthusiasm. That's right, buddy. And I'll come preach to you. He wants you to have a mentality that you're a vessel. Not just bless me, bless me, bless me, but let me be a blessing. So he says here, don't be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, Verse 13, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now I like this. Paul said a lot of things. I'm getting this by unction. I'm getting this by direction. Or I'm getting this directly from the Lord. He said, I'm getting this from the word of the Lord. I can't prove this out, but I can't disprove it. I believe when he was caught up to heaven to hear words that are unspeakable, Jesus told him, hey, there is a gap here called the church age, and that's why I appeared to you to talk to people about their inheritance, and I'm going to come back and, and take you up called the rapture. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. He took two chapters to talk about the plan of God, about resurrections. So here he's explaining how he got it. I got it by the word of the Lord. He said, I got it by the word of the Lord. This we say unto you, verse 15, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, scare one another with these words. No. You ought to do a study in chapter 5. He, he's completely concerned about you being comforted. Now, that comfort word is a good word for all of us nowadays, but really it's not the word comfort, it's the word exhort. He says, exhort one another with these words. That word exhort means to call nearer to God. So he's telling you this so that you stay close to the Lord. That, hey, you're going to be called up, you're going to be raptured. So, so admonish one another to stay close to Him. 
You, why is that? That's a huge deal. You don't want to be born again and at the rapture not even been talking to the Lord. So all of a sudden you're there, you're like, holy cow, I'm here. You, you want to be having some good fellowship with Him so it's not such a startling shock to get there. You know what I mean? You, you, don't, you don't want to be so blazingly bright that you're like, I'm not ready for this. So He admonishes us to comfort one another, to exhort one another, talk to each other. Hey, live right. Jesus is coming back. Keep your relationship white hot with Him because He's coming back. Now, people get so freaked out about the rapture, but there's tons of raptures in the church. I mean, in the Bible. Enoch was raptured. Elijah was raptured. Jesus was raptured. The church will be raptured. There's another rapture mid-trib. And the Bible says that's the biggest harvest there ever will be. Why is that? Because you're about to give the world the biggest sign they've ever seen. A billion people disappearing with piles of clothes on the ground. Hey, you, you can be a Ph.D., you can be a fellow American College of Surgeons, you can, be, you can have all the lists after your name, but all of a sudden a group of people disappear and their, their watches and their glasses and their wallets laying on the ground and their clothes are there, but they're all gone. It's going to preach. You know, as much as our group wants to do it all, we don't really have to do it all. We do our part, but then all of a sudden we're going to depart and God's going to hand off to the Jews. Wow, so right after we're raptured, 144,000 Jewish evangelists will be raised up. 12,000 from each tribe. And you talk about a platform. Oh, by the way, the people that just disappeared that you thought were crazy, they're with Jesus right now. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, And some people will go, I don't believe that. And some people will go, holy cow, I've been left behind. <laughs> Hence, a marriage guy writing books that have sold almost 70 million copies called the Left Behind series. So God quietly puts these things in the earth so that when that happens, they'll have this massive platform to preach. Now the bizarre thing is you have all these Jewish guys right now that are hanging out with radical Pentecostals. A couple of the Jewish buddies that I know, they're they're best friends with Kenneth Copeland, best friends with all these radical preachers. Why? Because God's about... The, the nation's been gathered together, like Ezekiel said. They've gathered together. There's bones, there's flesh. And then what's the next thing the Lord asks him? Can, can, that, can this flesh live? He's going to breathe on them. The glory of God. The spirit of supplication is going to come upon that nation. And you talk about awaking a nation. Woo, hallelujah. And you're going to have a part in that because all of a sudden you're going to go, poof, you're going to be gone. Wow. At one solid moment. You think about it. He's able to subdue all things even unto himself. At one moment, you may have a loved one that died 20 years ago. They may have been buried. Someone may have been buried at sea. All of a sudden, Jesus will go, come up hither. Come up to the throne of God. And every person that was born again throughout history, they'll get a brand new body and they'll come up like that. And you will go up to meet them with the Lord in the air. And so shall you ever be with the Lord. Wow, I can't wait to get a glorified body. Hallelujah. So Paul was talking about the purpose of the rapture. He was real uh, definite about you need a new body. He said you need new equipment to handle this kind of glory. He talked about terrestrial bodies, celestial bodies, uh, bodies of birds. He said as you have borne the image of the earthy, you will bear the image of the heavenly. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm looking forward to bearing the image of the heavenly. Amen. I'm looking forward to walking through walls. Hallelujah. But the cool thing about your glorified body, Jesus walked through walls, but He still ate fish. So He wasn't a spirit or a freak. He said, handle me. Flesh and bone, they are not a spirit. Even though you're going to be just like you, but you're going to be in a glorified body. I mean, people get so weird about that. You can't explain it all. You're just going to get a heavenly body. That's just like you, flesh and bone, but no blood. 
The life source for you right now is the blood, but the life source from that glorified body will be the glory of God. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't wait to kind of walk through the wall and surprise people. That'll be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus made a habit of doing that peace being to They're like, ah, here we go. <laughs> But it'll be wonderful, you know, to, to, to have that body to where we can travel like we're supposed to travel, be right at the throne of God, and the glory of the, that's in the face of Jesus won't so shock us. We'll be able to walk right into the throne and hang out with Dad. Hallelujah. It'll be fun. All right, now, in the, in the Scriptures, Jesus gave us one kind of reference to the rapture in the Gospels. He didn't say this is a rapture, but let's look at this for a minute, and it'll help you on the timing of the rapture. Because so many people think, well, do we really have to be raptured? I want to go through a couple things about the rapture, and then I want to keep moving and show you why you can't be here during the tribulation. But Jesus told the, God, the disciples there in John 14, He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. You know, If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll go and receive you unto myself. And first he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then all of a sudden he did something that's really bizarre. He gave them a Jewish wedding proposal. Now it's kind of weird when you propose to men. <laughs> that's not a normal thing to do. But he was trying to show them that they're going to be the body of Christ. So he gives them a little proposal. Now watch. In the, in the Jewish tradition, a man, when he asks a woman to marry him, what he does, they get betrothed. Like, you, like nowadays you get engaged. They would be betrothed. But what would happen would be, right after a man and a woman would get engaged, the man or the groom would go back to his father's house and would build a room for their honeymoon. Now watch. The thing about the rapture is Jesus is going to come back with a shout. Uh, the, the, in the old Jewish tradition, the man that the, asked her to marry him, he would go and build the room for them, and the father would tell the son when his room is done. So the son wouldn't know when it was time for him to go until the father told him to go get his bride. So when the father said, the room's finished, the groom would run back like that with a shout for his bride. Now watch. The bride could tell how long it was going to be. Generally, he wouldn't know, she wouldn't know the second or the day, but she could generally know how long it was going to be based on how wealthy he was. If he didn't have very much money, he ain't going to build a very big room. If he had tons of money, it's going to be a little bit longer. How many of you ladies knew the day you were going to get married? I mean, when you were gay, did you have your wedding date? Uh, our daughter Lauren's getting married October 7th. They sent out a day. Save the date. Save, what's it called? Save the date. Save the date. It's a cool little card they sent out real neat because they knew the exact day they were going to get married. And you know what? You talk about preparation. Holy cow. Lauren called me this morning before I came to preach, and I thought it was going to be more preparation stuff. You know, what do we got to do? Photographer, flowers, all this. There's massive preparation because it's not going to be like, oh, my God, we're getting married today? <laughs> No, there's radical preparation. Same thing about the rapture. It will not be like, oh, wow. See, we've so taught it wrong that you wouldn't know how close you are to being caught up. You'll, you'll know how close you are. Amen. Boy, people will fight for right for that. I'll give you one more. I'll just push over another sacred cow. You ready? I'll, I'll give you the month the rapture's probably going to be. You ready for that? Yep. Woo. I'll, probably, I'll give you the day the rapture's going to be. You ready for that? <laughs> All right, think about Jesus, how, how he fulfilled these things. Yes. Now, I'm not dogmatic about this, but I am dogmatic about some things. I'm, do I'm supernaturally dogmatic about Jesus fulfilling all the feasts. Yes. Number one, Jesus came at the Feast of Passover, right? Yes. Okay. He went to the cross. Remember John said, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All right, this will give you some interesting notes about the timing of God. God's very much a date setter. Yes. He's very much precise. He told them how long they'd be in bondage. He told them when he was going to come. Very, very precise. So Jesus comes exactly to the day. He goes on the cross on the feast of Passover. Yes. 
The next feast was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay, normally when someone would go on the cross, they would be on the cross for a week or two, and they would slowly die so it would be a visible manifestation not to break the law. Well, Jesus had a feast to keep. Plus, he had all the sin of the world put on him. So he was buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is they took three pieces of bread, the middle piece, they folded it, they pierced it, and they broke it. Jesus had two thieves on either side of him. They figured out that one of them was, uh, was Paul's dad because he said, my old man was crucified with Christ. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's terrible. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Try the veal. <laughs> Don't forget to tip your waitress, all right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a rabbi, a priest, and a minister go, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> Okay, Jesus fulfilled the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He said, I am the bread of life. Listen yes. to this. He said, I am the bread of life. He was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means home of the bread. Mm-hmm. Wow, you talk about keeping that feast. He kept that feast. But you know what? He was raised from the dead on the Feast of first fruits. So he's fulfilling every single feast to the day. All right? Raised on first fruits because he's the firstborn from the dead. Wow. All right, the next feast was 50 days later, the Feast of Pentecost. We all know what that means, Feast of Harvest. Penta means 50. 50 days after resurrection, the Holy Ghost was poured out. Well, the next feast that hasn't been fulfilled yet is Rosh Hashanah, the, the Feast of Trumpets. It's the Feast of Gatherings. At the rapture, a trumpet will sound and you'll be gathered together in the air. When is Rosh Hashanah every year? It's in September of every year. I can look on the calendar and tell you the date it's going to be. So you're thinking the rapture is going to be this September? I don't know, but I do know this. Every September I'm walking around, Lord, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> So you say, well, if you, if you knew that, you'd know when the rapture's going to be. Yes! You know when your wedding's going to be. And that's something that people will get mad about, that, that you could know when the rapture's going to be. But you know what? How many of you know the date right now and the hour that Rosh Hashanah's going to be? Call it out if you know it. See, nobody in here knows it. So you can preach it and people still don't know it. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Start the car. I'll be right there. No, so that's the timing of the rapture. God's very precise in all this. So you can see that the rapture will probably be in the fall. Wow. Hallelujah. So what do you mean by that? I believe we'll have a sensation in our heart that the Lord's coming back soon. Yes. Yes. Amen. Now, you won't know the exact second, but you'll just go be going, man, I know we're close. Hallelujah. How many of you inside your heart right now, even if you didn't have Israel made a nation, even if you didn't have Jerusalem one back, even if you didn't have the Hebrew language, you have something on the inside of you telling you the king's coming back. You have a witness in you that says Jesus of Nazareth is coming back to the planet. We happen to be living when we have all these signs that back up that sense that you have on the inside of you that the Lord is coming back. Hallelujah. Amen. So here we have that. You've got the timing of the rapture. What's the qualifications for the rapture? And man, I've got to get to some more stuff here. The qualifications are being born again. People are trying to preach today, well, if you're not in faith for the rapture, you won't go up. It's all by grace. It's not by your works. If it was by your works, you'd be walking around like, yeah, check it out, man, I'm ready for the rapture. You're not. Nah, 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 nah. No, it's, it's all about His blood. It's not about your works. If it was, if it was your works, you'd be, you'd be walking around thinking, man, I'm so ready for the rapture, but you're not ready for the rapture. You say, well, what about people that are carnal? Well, what about them? They're still saved, but they're carnal. They're just not enjoying the blessings that you're enjoying. See, your you're, wow, works don't get you in. Works don't take you out. But so many people will fight for the right to say, you know what? You're not ready for the rapture. They may not be ready for the rapture, but they're still going to be caught up. Why? Because they're in the body of Christ. Amen. 
Now, see, all these other people preach, well, if you're not ready, you're not going to go up. That produces fear. Yes, see, this is something a guy told me. You guys were in Galveston with Peter and Aisha came to Galveston. A, a, a minister tr challenged me. He goes, well, what about people that are having bad works or whatever? And, and I, I don't want to admonish people to have bad works. You want to live holy. You want to live clean. You know, because people go, well, you have a license to sin that way. No, people sin without a license every day. Because yep, <laughs> people are in, in you're, if people are in worry, that's just as much sin as anything else. Yes. But this man said to me, to, this to me, and it just shocked me. He goes, well, what about someone that just cussed somebody out on the freeway? I said, well, uh, uh, Jesus said it to me real clear. He said, ask him, would he rather have faith in his works or faith in my works? And I was like, wow, that'll preach. See, your faith is not in what you have done. Your faith is in what he has done. And see, he redeemed you. He blessed you 2,000 yes. years ago. So he will come back with a shout for his true body. Yes. And if you look in the exact Greek words, I, don't, I can't quote them all, but there is an examination happens at the rapture. You're either lit or you're not lit. And the ones that are born again, they'll be changed. They'll be caught up. They'll be yes. the twinkling of an yes. eye, the last yes. trump. The yes. trumpet will sound and we'll be raised incorruptible. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo, amen. So, so what a sign for the earth. I mean, I know we have signs and wonders in the church, and we, we go into all the world. Thank you, buddy. But there's going to be some signs that are just uh, as radical as can be, the rapture of the church. Let's go back to Daniel for a minute, and let's look and see why you can't qualify to be here during the tribulation. I like to see these things because it gives me Bible to see why I can't be here. Go to Daniel chapter 9. And we'll look at this for just a moment. Daniel chapter 9. Now, I know we, we're... <clears throat> there's so much to get into, but let's all just wake up for just a few minutes. We've got about 15 minutes left, so let's all just kind of take a deep breath and get ready because we're going to go through some supernaturally complicated details that are not complicated if we get each segment of it, okay? This is the best explanation why you can't be here during the tribulation. Most people, you know, they're excited about getting raptured, but some people, uh, religion has taught them, well, you've got to suffer, you've got to go through the tribulation, and, and uh, we'll see that just says the blood wasn't good enough to purify you. And if that doctrine is true, he'd have to resurrect everybody that's lived forever and make them go through the tribulation. Because you want to be pure, don't you? See what I'm saying? So let's go here to Daniel. Is everybody with me? Everybody, everybody rolling with me here? Good. All right, look at Daniel chapter 9. Look, here we go, Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of... Ahuraharus, where he says there, the seed of Medes, was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in desolations of Jerusalem. So Daniel goes, I, I'm smart enough to go, I set my face in the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So Daniel here is going, hey, why are we in jail? We're in, we're in, we're in a, a captivity for 70 years. Let's find out why. Well, he went back to the book and found out that they were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. Okay? They would be so blessed in the sixth year of planning, it would carry them through the seventh year. Now watch. They, they begin to go, well, because of unbelief, they go, well, let's try planning in the seventh year and see what happens. Okay? So they did that one time, did it again, did it again, did it again. Now how long did they do that? They disobeyed for guess how long? 490 years. So after 490 years, the Lord goes, okay, no problem. You're going to disobey that long? I'm going to put you in jail and make you pay the land back the 70 years that you owe it. 
Okay, See how lawful he was and righteous he was because this is what he told them and they didn't do it. Thank God we live under mercy and grace now. Amen? Am I in the right room? Come on now. So they missed it for how long? 490 years. Everybody say 490. 490. So somehow in the Old Covenant, 490 is, a, is, a, is a, a length of time for God. Remember Peter said, how many times do I forgive somebody, Jesus? He said 70 times 7, 490 times. Okay, so 490 is kind of the length of, of the mercy in the Old Covenant. So they missed it for 490 years. So the cool thing about Daniel here, he's trying to find out why they're in jail, and the Lord's going to show him uh, what's going to happen right before the coming of the Lord. So let's skip over, and he shows you some of this timing stuff, why you can't be here. Go over to chapter, uh, same chapter, verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth. Now this is Gabriel talking to Daniel. Now this is the amazing thing here. Hang with me just a moment. Gabriel is about to tell Daniel the very year that Jesus is going to come the first time. Because people go, well, you can't know when these things are going to be happening. Gabriel's going to tell him the very year that he's going to come. So watch what happens the first time. He says in verse 23, I'm come to show you that you're greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. He says, 70 weeks are determined upon that people. Now, 70 weeks just means another segment of 490 years. That's 70 segments of seven. I mean, it says it a little weird, but really he's saying, okay, you guys were in jail because you missed it for 490 years. Guess what? God's given you another 490 years. Okay, now watch what he says. 490 years are determined upon who? Watch what he says in verse 24. It's determined upon the Jews and upon the holy city, Jerusalem to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, verse 25, he's going to go through some stuff that's real exact. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, the street will be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Then he gives you some more dates here. Now, hang with me. I'm going to, I'm going to break this down to make it more, make more sense. He said, okay, when the commandment goes forth to restore and build Jerusalem until Jesus comes, and when you add all those dates up, it's 483 years. Now, now what is that? Okay, King Artaxerxes, he's looking at Nehemiah, and Nehemiah's all bummed out. He's kind of walking around, it ain't good, it ain't good, it ain't good. <laughs> What's wrong? Well, Jerusalem's overthrown. Well, King Artaxerxes goes, da, 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 da. I make a commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. Gabriel said, when the commandment goes forth, to restore and build Jerusalem until Jesus comes will be 483 years. Let me show you how precise that is. You can go back through the commentaries and, man, it's exactly to the day. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on that donkey. And all of a sudden they started breaking the, the palm trees down. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they said, oh, man, don't do that. You're saying you're the Messiah. And he said, man, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. Because that was exactly 483 years from that commandment Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Well, now how many years did he determine upon them? 490. Everybody say 490. 490. When did Jesus come? After 483. So there's seven years left that God owes them, not us. See how precise he was? They broke the law for 490 years. He put them in jail for 70 years. He's given them another 490, but Jesus came after 483. So they got one gap of seven years left that God still owes them. Doesn't owe us that seven years. He owes them that seven years. So he's, he's going to take the church off the planet and give them back those seven years. The first three and a half years, 
uh, you got some horrible things happening. I mean, you got some seals opened up. You got some, you got massive war. You got Russia coming down on Israel, and God showing off for Israel. And Russia's destroyed. Five sixths of Russia dies. All kinds of men are getting killed. And then all of a sudden, midway through the tribulation, uh, the Antichrist comes into the temple and says, "Hey, by the way, now listen to this. The Jewish people think he's the Messiah." At this point, he's hoodwinked them because he's brought peace on the earth. They think, man, this guy's the Messiah. Then all of a sudden, he comes into the temple and says, I'm God. And it's Satan himself in a man where the Antichrist has three and a half years, just like Jesus had three and a half years in his earthly ministry. And the Antichrist in those three and a half years called the Great Tribulation, he'll try to wipe out every person on the planet. So you see what Jesus does. He blesses people. And you see what Satan does. He tries to annihilate people. So all of a sudden, midway through that trip, the devil goes, uh, I'm God. And they're like, yikes, we missed it. <laughs> He's not Jesus. He's not the Messiah. Wow, what a shock to think that you're looking at the Messiah and, and it's not him. Now, the wild thing is, is Islam has the exact opposite of these same facts. Islam says that their, their iman's going to come and he's going to bring peace for how long? Seven years. What's he going to do? He's going to destroy the Christians and the Jews. That's exactly the, the setup for the Antichrist. Right now, Ajinadot in Iran, he believes that if he starts a war with Israel, he'll bring in their Islamic Messiah. And he, he honestly believes that. Thank God, in the last couple of years, Israel has used cyber uh, warfare to stop the computers in Iran, or they probably would be way ahead in the development of their, their nuclear weapons. So this, this shows you what's happening here. Now hang with me just a little bit. Gosh, I've got to close, but hang with me. Look what's happening in the earth. I mean, you've got the earth set up for the Antichrist. So the earth, you couldn't, I mean, 10 years ago, it'd be like, how's this going to happen? You can see how the whole earth is set up for, wow, we've got a worldwide economic collapse. The European Union, you've got Spain that has trouble. You have Turkey that has trouble. Next thing you know, the all EU is trying to figure out what to do. And uh, the world is set up for a guy to come on the scene right after we're raptured and go, I have a perfect plan to bring everybody back to zero. Don't worry, we're going to have a new currency, and the whole world will go with this currency, and it's called the mark of the beast. Wow. And the world is being set up for that right now. But let's go back to these verses. Everybody with me? Yes. Everybody with me? Do you understand Daniel's 70th week now? Do you understand why you can't be here during the tribulation? You, you don't belong here? It's not for you? It's for them. God owes them those seven years. So let's go back and look a little bit more here. Run back to the verses there. Wow, there's so much there. But let's go to uh, verse 26. After three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, well, he did it for us. And the people of the prince that shall come, talking about the Romans, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be a flood unto the end of the war and desolations are determined. And he, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week or for seven years. And in the midst of that seven years, he'll cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the abomination, and for the overspreading of the abomination, he'll make it desolate, even unto the consummation determined shall be poured about on the desolate. Now hang with me just a minute. This is the deal that kind of helps us with America. The Bible says specifically during the tribulation, listen to this, this is just crazy, that Babylon is rebuilt. <laughs> now Babylon's in Iraq. If you'd have said this 50 years ago, all of a sudden the Antichrist is going to go, you know what, I have a great idea. This was so horrible, the Iraqi war. I'm going to set up my kingdom right there in Babylon, and it's going to be a sign to the world that you can go into a horrible place and start a whole new society over again. I mean, think about Iraq. Oh, let's just back up for a second. Everybody was so mad, you know, when we went into Iraq. The first Gulf War, George Bush, number 41, went into, right? 
second Gulf War, George Bush number 43 went into. All right, number, the, the number 42 is a number of judgment. Remember uh, the Great Tribulation, 42 months. Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain for how long? 42 months. Remember, they mocked Elisha, a rapture. Go up, bald head. Go up, bald head. <laughs> they weren't mocking Elisha. They were mocking a rapture. Go up. Let's see you go up like Elijah did. Well, two she-bears came out of the woods and killed 42 of them. All right? Uh, president Clinton was the 42nd president of the United States. You have Bush number one, Bush number two, father and son surrounding judgment. What did father and son do? They both went into Iraq as a forerunner to, to what's going to happen during the tribulation period to get Iraq ready for the Antichrist to have that nation. You say, well, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Jesus is about to come back to the planet. Yep. These things are all happening in our lifetime. Yep. I remember Colin Powell getting up there with that pointer. He said, this is where the main part of the battle will be, at the Tigris and the Euphrates River. I was like, wow, holy cow. That sounds familiar. Uh, the Garden of Eden. <laughs> so everything's going back to that, that focal point. Now, why is that a huge deal? Uh, Baghdad... Uh, and Babylon and Iraq is where every false religion came from. So see, God's going back to the origin uh, of satanic origin and, and dealing with it naturally with the with American army, and he's getting ready to deal with it from heaven, Jesus. So see, you have forerunners in the natural, just like you have forerunners in the spiritual. And my friend, this, the thing's all set up for you and I to depart and be raptured out of here. Yep. Yep. I mean, this stuff is real. You know, I was in Jerusalem 10 years ago, and... Um, it's amazing how real all this is, and the devil wants everybody to think it's not. I was there on this tour, and I had brought some people with me, and there was another lady that had a big tour, so we were all gathered together, and we were in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I was sitting there looking at the Temple Mount. While you're in the Garden of Gethsemane, you can look at the Temple Wall, the Temple Mount, that original temple where Jesus was, and I'm thinking, how cool, this is where Jesus walked, you know. And, uh, and I'm in that garden. That The pressure came on him. The Garden of Gethsemane is called the olive press. That pressure, the olive press, they take olives and squeeze the oil out. So Jesus has that pressure in that, in that area there thinking, I'm going to have sin come on me. I'm going to become sin. And he's like, I'm going to be separated from my father. And it's just kind of like, uh, let's, let's not do this. So I'm sitting there thinking of all this. And the lady that was having up her tour, she said, Joe, I want you to do communion right now. Well, I was kind of freaking out. I said, okay, okay. So I had a different Bible with me, and I couldn't remember where the communion verses were. You know what I'm saying? Like right now, do communion. Right now. Right this second. Right now, Joe. Do it. Do it, Joe. You're like, ah, it's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. You know what I mean? Your brain kind of stops for a minute. So I was standing with one of my pastor buddies, Tom DeMont. He was a pastor from Heidelberg, Germany. And all of a sudden, I had an open vision. Remember, it's okay for me to have vision. I'm a young man. Old men's dream dreams. <laughs> young men have visions, right? Well, all of a sudden, as I'm standing there in the Garden of Gethsemane looking at the Temple Mount, I looked up and I saw angels and demons everywhere. I mean, I'm like freaking out like, holy cow. And I knew it was the most concentrated area of angels and demons on the planet. And I'm like, man, I'm seeing, I'm like kind of rubbing my eyes like, I'm seeing angels and demons everywhere right there over the Temple Mount. And I told my buddy Tom, I said, man, I just had an open vision. I saw angels and demons are all over the Temple Mount. I said, that's the most concentrated area there is right there. And uh, he goes, dude, you better get back to the planet. You've got to do communion here in a second, you know. You know, that's what your buddies are for, to keep you, keep you grounded. So the lady there getting ready to have me come up, she said there was an old prayer named Phil Halverson from Minnesota. He was here in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said he had an open vision, and he said that's the most concentrated area. He said all angels and demons. He, he had his eyes open up, his spiritual eyes, and said that's the most concentrated area of angels and demons on the planet. I told my buddy, he said, see, I'm not crazy. Hallelujah. Now, what is that? That's Jacob's Ladder. That's Jacob's ladder. See, Jacob, when he looked up there, he didn't see one angel on some old rickety ladder. He saw innumerable angels going back and forth to heaven to earth. Now, Satan wants that piece of real estate because that's that place where Jacob's ladder is. 
wow. I came back from that trip and I had an, an etching in my office of Jacob's Ladder and it had all this big stairway with angels everywhere and I was kind of sad that Led Zeppelin had it called Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> kind of sad that Led Zeppelin had it more than the church. See, it's a reality. Why is it a reality? The Dome of the Rock right there in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount, in, the, in Arabic it says in the Dome of the Rock, there is no Son of God, there is no Son of God, there is no Son of God. It's because there is the Son of God. He gave His life. You can go up on the Temple Mount. This is right in Jerusalem. Because all this is going to revolve around that piece of real estate. (laughs) Everything that's going to happen in the news about Israel will be over Jerusalem. It will all revolve around that piece of real estate. You can go up on the Temple Mount. Now, this is crazy. You go up on the Temple Mount, and there's flies everywhere. See, Satan's called the Lord of the Flies, Beelzebub. Because, see, Satan wants that spot. You walk right down off the Temple Mount, no flies anywhere. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> I mean, it's just freaky that that's, that's the spot. Yeah. Let me just tell you, at the second coming, man, whew, that temple's going to be pushed up. The mountains are going to be laid low. That valley's going to split wide open. There's going to be some water coming out of Jesus' throne. That water's going to go down into the Mediterranean. It's going to make the whole millennial reign while he's on the earth. Just the water that's near Jesus will give so much life to the earth that people live a thousand years in their natural bodies. Amen. Amen. Ooh, hallelujah. Mm, mm, mm. So Jesus is about to come back to get his church. There's some radical events that will happen on the earth that God will be dealing with man to accept Jesus as their Savior. There will be so much pressure to get them to accept it. And after that, the second coming is going to happen. We'll come back with him, and he's going to set up his reign. Now, tomorrow we'll get into a little bit about the second coming and a little about the millennial reign of Christ. We'll get into some things about the millennium. We'll be briefly into it, but it's going to show you why you've learned so much right now. Because you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. So there's some power in the world to come. Well, I've determined I'm not just going to taste it, man. I'm going to devour it. Hallelujah. So God's invested in all of your lives to be in a radical church like this. This is your 10th anniversary. Your 10th anniversary, you're celebrating 10 years of, of blasting the Word, pushing the Word, so that we would literally be the voices to get people to get saved. You never know who you're around that one thing you might say might be a seed... Someone else can reap the harvest, but God wants to use you. Amen. Amen. Let's thank Him for just a second before we go. Lord, we're grateful that we get to be raptured. We're grateful that we get to be caught up to go to the reward seat of Christ. Father, thank You. We get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Thank You that we don't have to be here during that seven years. Father, we ask You to awaken people in this hour, to be born again so that they would escape those seven years. But, Father, we even pray for our our Jewish brethren that are going to, their heart will turn and they'll get born again. They'll accept Jesus as their Messiah. Lord, we thank you for the preparations for this. We thank you for things being in the proper order and the proper time. That, Father, as we approach the end of the church age, we thank you for great boldness for your church, great supernatural strength for your church, divine and heavenly influence for every believer in here. Father, we'll we'll look not at the things which are seen, but we'll look at the things which are not seen. We'll have our conversation about heavenly things. We bless you. We magnify you. We glorify you. King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus, we honor you. We love you. Thank you for blessing every person that came. May they have a wonderful afternoon, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen.